But hearing the voice of God is all about intimacy. It's all about following him, chasing after him. And you can hear the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God, but there is an absolute necessity for you to do certain things when it comes to the voice of God. And, and like I said, really what I want to share with you today is I'm not going to deal too much with principle, even though I love to teach on principle. So it's really one of my favorite things to teach on. I really want to, I think that God wants to impart into your heart um, really uh, faith in just his goodness to bring you out of some, some, I would say, some crooked places. There's crooked places when it comes to God's voice, when it comes to our journey. And I think God wants to straighten up those crooked places in our life. And, and there's going to be a refreshing inside of your heart. Does that sound good? And it's really going to minister to your heart when it comes to his voice. I think that we all have to be encouraged inside of this. We go through seasons where it seems like things are dry and I can't hear from God or it's just it's not like it used to be and all these things. And these are wrinkles. These are crooked places that God has to straighten out inside of our life. And that's why we need to be encouraged and be strengthened. Amen. So, like I said, you're designed to hear the voice of God. It's not hard. Okay. so this is the dream of God. And I think for time, I'm going to have to skip past my introduction but this is the dream of God. I'm going to put Acts 2 up there real quick. And I'm going to try to bounce into the, uh, I would say the principle for a moment and then get into the backside of the message. It's always been the desire of God to have a creation that is intimate with him. And when God made man, it went beyond the scope of anything that God had made. Angels don't understand, listen to me, angels don't understand how God is inside of you. Scripture says this. It says they stand back and they're trying to say, how is he on the throne? And he's inside of them. And the apostle Paul would say, this is the mystery of all mysteries, how God could be inside you, but be on the throne, be all in heaven, have the entire universe in his belly, but be inside you. And the desire of God was a creation to be intimate with. That means to converse with, to dialogue with. Prayer is not just when I'm on my face. Prayer is a dialogue throughout the day. God wants us to begin to understand that there is a formation on the inside of us that allows us to dialogue throughout the day with God. A constant dialogue. It don't mean that God's going to answer every single question that you have in the moment. But it's important to understand that he created you for a dialogue, for intimacy. Not to know about the pastor's God, not to know about anyone else's God, but to know his voice in the most radical way that you even understand how he wants to speak to you. And this changes you. In my message, the way I worded it was, the voice of God releases dignity or the voice of God is what gives you your worth. Like we live inside of a world where everything my worth is, the car I drive, the house I live in, the people that I kick it with, the clothes that I wear, and all the things. And God is so cool with us having things, but that's not your worth. And all of us struggle with this. Listen to me. There's not a person in the room that don't struggle with this. But the voice of God is what releases your worth. It's so that you're not entangled. You're so free. But then you got to understand his voice and you have to develop this. Does this make sense? Yeah. 
And this was always the heart of God. It was always the plan of God. It was the dream of God. When you study the Old Testament, Moses was a guy that talked with God face to face. And Moses don't have what you have. And Moses cried out to the Lord, if all God's people were prophets, or if all God's people could talk to you like I do, and Moses does not have what you have. He wasn't born again. He didn't have the Spirit of God living inside of him. He didn't even have the Word of God like you. You got a whole lot of more advantages than him, but this was the dream of God. Jesus comes on the scene and he talks to the Father in such a way. Everyone's tripped out. So we quote the scripture in John 14, 12. It says, if you believe, surely you will do the works that I do in greater works. And we're always thinking about it's raising the dead or it's healing the sick, and it is. But do you understand that Jesus' ability to walk with the Father face-to-face is also inside of John 14, 12. If you believe, you can dialogue with the Father how I did. You can experience the Father's love. So Jesus stepped to Lazarus' tomb, and this is what he said. I know that you always hear me. That's, that, that's, That's a dialogue to where when he walks up to a mountain, He's not looking at the mountain going, this guy's been dead how many days? No, I know that you always hear me. Are y'all seeing this? We all face mountains every day, but just imagine if the worth was, I know that you always hear me. You always hear me. You always talk to me. Mountain? Y'all tracking with me? My worth is inside of a place where there's such an intimacy with him. I'm so solid. It don't mean that you won't feel shakings on the outside and you will see stuff, but there is such a place of closure in your heart that he brings you into with him. This is the journey. So in Acts 2, this is the scripture. um, The Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, 17, it's up here. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And it says, on your sons and daughters at COG, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. That's talking about me. And your old men will dream dreams. That's talking about Alan. Every single person in the kingdom, every son and daughter will prophesy or have the voice of the Lord in their heart. It was the dream of God. This is not for a select few. This is not for the gifted, the anointed, none of those things. This is every single person can walk with the voice of God in their mouth, in their heart. And it creates dignity. It makes you hold your head high. You walk as the royalty of heaven. This positions you now. As a person of worth, not based on my experience, not based on my education, not based on who I know. This is based on him. There's so much goodness in that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's so much goodness in that. And you teach precepts, you teach principles for people to walk by. But if someone doesn't experience this, And experience it not on a 
I come to church. That's great. But I mean, experience on a daily level in the journey of a Christian. This is the foundation. David said, I always saw the Lord before my face. And David does not have what you have. I always saw the Lord. What was he saying? I can hear his voice. Jesus says, whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. Whatever I hear him say, that's what I say. It's talking about walking in a place of intimacy with the voice. The voice of the Lord. He wants to talk to you more than you want to listen. And you know what? It's not hard for him to get his point across to you. We got any hard-headed people in here? Praise the God. We got some honest people. Alan, you better raise both your hands. We got some honest people in here. I guess, seriously, there's no one where it's hard for us to hear. Okay? We're all human. There was a need and someone was in the back of the room and you really needed to get their attention. You would know what to do. That's called common sense. Don't we know that God could get his point across to us? And he wants to teach us how to walk with him. To I get sensitive to his touch, his voice, the different ways that he speaks. So like I said, I'm going to blaze through uh, Hebrews 5 real quick. And I'd like to get to uh, and just chat with you for a minute about um, this guy in the Bible, which all of us are like him. Hebrews 5, um, it's up on the screen. Verse 13 and 14, it says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Say, that's not me. Everybody didn't say that. Some of y'all, okay. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's not me. For he is a babe. But solid food, say, this is me, belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This passage deals with two things. It deals with development. It deals with process. There's a development piece in here because God uses milk and meat. That's development. God uses milk as a piece of his word, his presence, to where just like a baby comes into this world and a baby begins to grow, there's a development that that baby goes through and the baby matures and comes to a place where it's on solid food and then even moves beyond that process, beyond that process. All right, y'all with me? That's development. The process, he talks about your senses being trained to discern both good and evil. And with senses, there's different ways that God speaks to you. Now, there's a lot of ways that God speaks. Okay? A lot. You will not become skilled in all the ways that God speaks, but God wants you to become skilled in the way he speaks to you. Does that make sense? There will be primary ways. There will be secondary ways. That God speaks to you. There could even be third and fourth ways. But God will usually land on a primary way and he'll have you become very skilled in this area. So real quick, when it comes to development, um, we know these things. But I think that it, 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 we, we got to get to a place where um, we're just very, very faithful inside of the things that we know we're supposed to do. Like there's, there's just, there's disciplines inside of the kingdom, okay? And there's nothing wrong with using that word. Development, 
Spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time, listen, fasting. These type of things develops my spiritual formation so that the voice of God becomes more acute to me. And like I said, I'm not spending time on that. That's the principal part. There's other pieces as well. There's, there, there's, this is the biggest piece right here. Beyond, Listen to me. Beyond the Word, beyond prayer, it's acting on what you already are inside of. When the word abides in you and you in the word, that means when you execute that which you know is a place that really creates the greatest spiritual formation. Not just the hear is blessed. The Bible says the doer is the one that's blessed. So really one of the greatest places of formation is when I act consistently on that which I know. I'm going to keep it real with you. God don't keep bringing more word, more revelation when there is a dam because I have not been acting on that which I know. He actually stops it. That's usually times where I'm asking a whole lot of questions because God says, no, you just need to act on what you know. All right. There's also a thing on trial and error. When it comes to the voice of the Lord and it comes to spiritual formation, there's a trial and error. Like you need to step out. And it's okay if you make a mistake. Like most times you won't get it right. Seriously. But God wants you to step out. Most times, not all the time. Let's say it that way. Not all the time you won't get it right. But when we step out, those are ways that there's spiritual formation. I'm going, I'm going kind of fast here. The process or the senses. I'm a, I'm a hearer. The number one way that God speaks to me is through my conscience. And God did this while I was um, in prison. God moved away the, the, the primary way that I learned through Bible college, which is just a knowing and God began to force his voice up out of my spirit, man, into my conscience where it's almost like an audible voice that comes out of me. And God told me it was a gift. And um, I can hear the voice of God very loudly on the inside of me. I hear it. And um, in worship, he pushes it up out of me. So even inside of the, the normal hearing, what you call hearing inside of yourself, God even tweaked it and changed it to give me worth. Listen to what I'm saying. When he speaks to me, it gives me worth, but also the way he speaks to you and the way he'll actually tell you, I want to do this for you, it creates a sense of worth because he creates a, um, an identity with you and him that you're special, that you're different. Do you hear what I'm saying? And he does this so that he shows you you're unique. So you can hear, you can see. Genesis 15, it says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. You can see. Angels is a big piece of God's economy, how God speaks. There's dreams. There's visions. There's a lot of different processes, how we train ourselves. There needs to be development. And God wants me to begin to learn. What is the primary way you speak to me? And God doesn't use your strengths. Uh, Let me say that. I can say that better than that. We lean more on our strengths. And when we do, a lot of times we can cripple grace. God sometimes will do the opposite. Okay? Does that make sense? So just because you can say, I'm good at this, don't mean that that's the way that God's going to actually make that your primary. Okay? Usually how already you're operating right now is usually a primary way right now. There's feelers. I didn't use that one. People feel. My wife's a feeler. All right? 
And um, she goes, God speaks to you like a man. I was like, because I'm a man. She gives, he, says, she, she says, he says, God will give you just one word. Hey, what am I supposed to do, Lord? Stand. It's in the Bible. Ephesians 6 says it over and over again. Stand. So we'll be praying about something. She said, what did God say? I said, he said to stand. <laughs> That's it. That's all I need. Stand. But feelings another piece. Are y'all tracking with me? Listen to me. I feel like God wants to breathe on your life right now. I think that God wants to bring you back into a place, not that you've fallen away, not that you're backslidden, but I think God wants to breathe on you right now when it comes to this, and it's going to be building faith in your heart that you're going to be hearing God in a different way. Maybe not in a new way, but in a different way. All right? A more exciting, there's going to be an expectation, and God wants to meet you face to face. And God wants to tell you things that's not on your radar. God wants to talk to you about how much he loves you. But also, when God talks to you about how much he loves you, he talks to you about dreams. He talks to you, you know, about the things that's on his heart. And bring you into this place where you're like, wow, you would share that with me? So I feel like God's wanting to do that inside of our hearts tonight. You guys good? I got one minute. I'm going to take six. Is that okay? But seriously, but if you got to leave because I want to honor everybody's time, it's okay. All right? I just want to honor everybody's time. Um, I'm going to take a few minutes. I want to talk to you really quick about Peter because um, man, Peter messed up bad. I want you all to hear me. Peter, Peter messed up bad. And I think we read over the text sometimes and we don't realize I dare you to go back over the next couple days and you read all four accounts of how he denied the Lord. Read all four accounts. It's in all four Gospels. The one that messes me up the most is Luke. Luke's the only one that shows this right here. This is the night that Jesus said, someone in my team is going to betray me. Judas betrays him. Then he, he, he gives this prophecy in Zechariah 13. He says, they're going to strike me, the shepherd, and all of you are going to scatter. And Peter stands up in front of all of me and says, I'll die, I'll go to prison. And then everybody behind Peter says, amen. And Peter says that. And Jesus says to him, he said, if you read all four, it says, tonight you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me tonight. Could you imagine if Jesus told you that? Like, I got 24 hours to make sure I'm on my game. He tells him tonight. Like, tonight you're going to betray me. Before the rooster crows. Y'all know the story, right? So they come. They take Jesus. And when they take him, they take him to Annas' house first. I don't have time to go into this, but Annas is not the high priest, even though they call him the high priest. He was the high priest. But because Jewish customs, Sanhedrin was the one that anointed the high priest. But during the Roman times, they basically named the high priest. So Annas, who was the high priest, still had so much influence that they took him to Annas first. Then they took him to Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the one that the Romans had anointed or put as the high priest. But th the thing that don't make any sense is that, and, and the text don't say it, but either there's an there's a open courtyard sometimes and they bring Jesus before them. And Peter's standing out in the courtyard by the fire. 
Now, listen, guys, I would love to sit here and go into all of this because it's very interesting. Peter didn't have no money, guys. But if you read all the texts, John and James, they come from a family of wealth. And because they had family of wealth, when you read the text in John's account, John's able to go into the high priest's courtyard. John says, tells the girl out there, go get Peter. He can come in too. Y'all ain't tracking with me. Sometimes we're not, we're not accepted in all the cool groups. We, we don't have all the great influence. You see what I'm saying? Peter's on the outside out here. And John gets to go inside. He's standing by the fire. The voice of God is to remove those wrinkles out of our life. That your worth is based on how other people perceive you. Your spiritual status. Spiritual status. Financial status. All those things. Peter's on the outside by the fire. Long story short, everybody knows he had a girl, a young slave girl, said, you're one of the guys. I mean, it seems like if it was like a big dude and said, you're one of the guys, I'm going to get you too. But no, he cowered. I don't know the man. Said it again with another girl. And then a group of people says he began to curse and swear. And the rooster crows. But Luke's account says this. It says when he was saying it the third time that Jesus looked at him. The text really don't explain. So he could be, be taken from Caiaphas's house to the Sanhedrin. And Jesus locked eyes. I want you to hear me what I'm, what I'm about to say. I was meditating on this. There's not a time that Jesus would have looked at him and said, man, I can't believe you. I told you you'd do this. And you did it anyways. I think that text is in there to show you. That the Lord, even in that moment where he denied him, and he was so hurt, not just by the apostles that all denied him, but the very people, the Jewish nation, the leaders were his people. It says in John 1, he came to his own, his own did not receive him. In his worst night, he would still look at Peter and say, I love you. You're my guy. Like in your worst day, he'll still look at you and say, you're my girl. That's what would come out of his mouth. And I think those eyes were for true repentance because Judas did not repent, though he wept bitterly. Peter is crying uncontrollably, and it changed his heart. And fast forwarding, Jesus dies, resurrects, the Holy Spirit's poured out. And guess who's the one who stands up on the day of Pentecost? It says Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice. And said, heed my words. Like God had did something inside of his life that moved the wrinkles and reestablished his dignity and his worth. Even when. Could you say that? I've denied the Lord to his face. And think that you'd be able to stand up in front of everybody with the word of the Lord. Are y'all hearing me? Could you think that you could do that? His eyes, his love radically changed his heart. And I feel like that's what God's doing. He's letting us know no matter what we've done in life. It's, his voice is not based on that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like nothing you have done or feel like you can't do or 
you're not that person. God says, no, no, no. Look into my eyes. That's not, that's not who you are. And his voice releases your worth and dignity. Stands up, preaches sermon, ministers out of Joel, releases revelation, quotes Psalm 16. Thousands of people get saved. Keep going. Next day. Guess where he's going? Guess where he's going next day? Anybody know? You want to read your Bible? It's all good. I'm just messing with you. He's going to pray. He's on top of the mountain. Great day, right? Where do you go? You go back to development. You go back to spiritual formation. He's going to the prayer at the ninth hour. Still understand it. They go pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd be tired. They're going to pray, and there's the man that's lame. The, guy that, the same guy that Jesus walked by that's been lame ever since he was born. And he walks by, and Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to give you. Rise up and walk. Takes him by the hand. Isn't this incredible? The voice that you see in Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, God's showing a pattern to where someone who is not worthy to hear the voice of God, God says, I did not give my voice based on your perceived worth. My voice is to release your worth. Acts 3, the man is raised up. Now watch this. I'm going to wrap it up with this. And then what happens? Thousands more get saved. I think 5,000 more get saved. But guess what they do? They lock him up. Now, the Peter that was cowering to the little girl or little girls, they lock him up. And guess what they bring him in front of? Y'all got to read your Bible. It's Acts 4. They bring him before Annas, Caiaphas, all of the leaders who just had the legal authority to execute Jesus. And they bring Peter there, who was scared to death before. And man, he lifts up his voice. It says, filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, listen to my words. I'm going to read it to you. Acts 4 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we are this day judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now listen to this verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. So Caiaphas looked at Jesus and said, that's blaspheme, I'm going to kill you. This was blaspheme. What do you mean there's no other name? We have Yeshua. We have Adonai. Peter's standing there in the worth, the value, and the voice of God was not fearful and released. 
Such a powerful, rumbling, shaking. You actually see it in this chapter if you read it. Not only was he redirecting their hearts, establishing his, everybody around was being impacted. That same fearful guy, that same one that cowered down, listen, God put him right back in the same situation that Jesus was in. Isn't that interesting? The Lord established his heart and then put him right back where Jesus was and made him into the champion. Wouldn't you love that? That's what God's voice will do. It will establish the dignity of who you are, bring the worth, but God will also put you right back into a place. He says, I want you to release it too. Y'all go ahead and stand.